episode of Bitter and Jaded. I am your host, Joshua Scott, and today I have with me a man who can summon universes from his mind that will make George R.R. R. Martin weep in despair, my friend Randy. How are you, bud? Hey, there's a funny, I know right off the bat saying a funny story. So, um, uh, George R.R. R. Martin was an editor of an anthology series back in like the 90s called, uh, called uh, uh, Wild Cards. It was, uh-huh. superheroes. it was a superhero thing with weird and Lovecraftian and dark stuff. But anyway... Um, about seven years ago at a convention, I'm running a superhero game and I come up with the idea of taking like, uh, uh competitions and, um, I, I create a setting, uh, that, uh, I call American hero, like uh-huh. American idol and everybody's playing a game and there would be a series of challenges. And at the end of somebody wins a prize spot on a top super team, uh-huh. it's in the catalog. It's listed as exactly what the game is and it lists the description. Guess what came out a year and a half later? <laughs> George R. R. Martin releases a new Wild Cards novel called American Hero. <laughs> so George R. R. Martin ripped my ass off. <laughs> and that, my he friend... Was a, he was a guest at that convention. That, my friends, is Randy. Randy is someone I've known for a pretty long time, like at 10 least, years at now. Least, at least. You know, and uh, he's just been one of those people in my life that have always been like, you know who's always solid? Randy, he's always got something interesting to say. He's always very funny. He's always very caring, and he knows like more than anyone I've ever met. Starting off with a story about George R. George R. R. Martin ripping you off is the most Randy way we could have ever started this show, man. When I saw that book on, on uh, at the bookstore, uh-huh. and I read the back, and the winner gets a place on the premier super team, and it ended exactly like my session ends mm. with the guys deciding with all the contestants deciding that they liked working together so much that. Screw the cries. We'll just work together as a team of our own. Uh-huh. That's exactly how the novel ends. <laughs> Spoiler, man. And I'm like, you. Mm. So besides being and, the brains behind all of Game <laughs> of Thrones, um, uh, tell people a little bit about yourself, man. I, tur- I turned into Harlan Ellison at that moment. Hate. Hate. <laughs> Every neuroangstrom of my millions of miles of circuitry is written with the word hate. But, Yeah. But uh, now he has all the money in the world and uh-huh. and no desire to finish his books. And exactly. Did you see that interview with him and uh, Steve and Stephen King? No. Where he act- legitimately asked Stephen King how he manages to produce so much. He's like, because it's my job. <laughs> I write every day. Yeah. <laughs> how? <laughs> it was literally a failure to communicate. He's like, I don't understand why you're saying how. You're my age. <laughs> I wanted him to say it's called a work at where it's called a work ethic. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly, exactly. But it also probably has to do with like, you know, King's uh, very bad habits and stuff like that, but also, I mean, he was a school teacher once, so I mean, you know, he understands about discipline and having to work through things. So, yeah. Which I don't know. But anyway, uh would you what... I asked you a little bit about yourself, not how about your uh, the world's smartest man. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I yeah, I even joked at one time that we should we should we should we should uh we should at some point in the future do an episode where we where our names are literally bitter and jaded yeah <laughs> hello i'm bitter and i'm, and I'm jaded <laughs> and we're going to talk about a subject that we are bitter and jaded about. oh yeah man <laughs> hey it could possibly happen it could, you know because i love talking to you man like i said we, we've been doing it for hours now because we were talking about warhammer uh-huh um i'm bitter that it's so uh, you could be bitter about how complicated and hard it is to get into i'm jaded about the ridiculous prices and the <laughs> and the and the gatekeeping yeah. that that game automatically puts in it's like uh here's an 800 page rule book and we're going to publish a new one in two years mm. and if you don't know it backwards and forwards then you're going to be a fool and you can't you can't actually enjoy it they're actually making strides to make it better this, this new ninth edition that just came out they've really been uh making it more 
accessible. Accessible, yeah. That's it's actually good. what they're shooting for, which has been great because no one can match their miniatures. Uh, I, at least that I've seen, I've no one can match these sculpts that they put out. But with uh, the the rules, that's the hardest part. But like with the the new edition, they're literally like trying to make it so that way it's not like this impenetrable fortress of like oh you're too dumb to play with us like no we're like come play with us it's a fun game and sure, so sure because they, they they're learning that you can't just get by on making money by on your hideously overpriced miniatures yeah and, and those people are unfortunately getting older and dying out mm-hmm. if you want to keep the hobby going you have to bring new people in that's true of any hobby yeah but specifically when i was a child Back in the uh, in the good old nineteen eighties, they they produced a magazine called White Dwarf, mm-hmm. and still all, do. Yeah, but back back then, it was literally articles and stories and adventures for every RPG out there. Not just green, not just uh, not just uh, Games, Games Workshop stuff. Uh, it eventually became what it is now, which is just a catalog of showing every off everybody's amazing paints. Yeah, but back then it was literally you were getting articles on everything mm-hmm. it's like uh it was like what uh, um dragon magazine was for the longest time but then dragon magazine's like oh why should we support anybody else we'll just do our own stuff which, yeah which sucks because i mean did but uh, um uh, about me uh i i am uh uh nobody of importance uh, uh bullshit well it is largely true <laughs> uh uh i uh <clears throat> my least favorite subject that's why i'm having trouble coming up with the thing. <laughs> it's like I, I like to talk about uh you know deep and deep and interesting things that, that spark my imagination unfortunately i haven't done that for a while oh <laughs> my god but uh um i'm just a dude yeah. who uh who who exists in the world uh and likes to uh um uh, help uh try to you know uh, have 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 fun with as many uh people as i can try to reach it's been hard uh here in the uh, times of the pandemic Mm. and uh it can be difficult uh with everybody uh being so political um i used to like to reach out and game with a a large spectrum of people but now that spectrum has become polarized and i find myself literally the oldest i can go is like 10 years younger than myself if i go any older than that then I start dealing with people who fundamentally uh, disagree with me how the mm. universe works. You know, they're they're you know literally like looking you know looking up at the ceiling to see you you know if they're going to get stuck to it because gravity. What's that? That's science. <laughs> That's a theory. Theories <laughs> theories don't matter. You know? Theory hasn't been proven. <sighs> um, so it, it it's become weird. Yeah. I, I like uh, um, uh, but uh, I find it strange that you're having trouble describing yourself because I can describe Randy to people immediately uh, randy to me is one of the best people i've ever met uh you've got you go out of your way to not only listen to people mm-hmm. no matter on what what their walks of life are or or even what you know like even what they have going on in that moment you will take the time which is like when i met you i was 18 years old um and uh, i so we've known each other since for 12 years that was back when that was back <laughs> that was back when you had your your your, your flip Oh yeah, very short cut. hair, no tattoos, you know, uh, just still wet behind the ears, you know. But you yeah. never treated me like I was just some dumb eighteen-year-old kid. You always treated me why, like why, I was a. Why would you treat anybody like that? Exactly. I mean, I literally have a kid I'm working with now. I work in I work in retail at a grocery store as mm-hmm. a, a supervisor. But this one kid, he took me aside and, and and read me the riot act because he felt I was being treating him differently because he was young. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no man, the quality of your work is not where it needs to be. I don't. I don't care if 
I, you're telling me it's because you're 20 years old. I, I assumed you were maybe 18 to 25. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. As long as you can form fully formed sentences mm -hmm. and you have opinions and ideas, then I'm going to listen. Like uh, um, one of uh, my, my one of the players I work with right now, uh, she is a uh, high school student. She's she even went through. Um, I, I, I reach out to people through the Savannah Gaming Hub, which is a, a, a club on meetup.com. Mm -hmm. That's how I got most of my players. Um, and uh, she asked me if I was going to be... Now, also, she didn't identify uh, if it was male or female, but I didn't care. But she's like, are you okay with a teenager at the table? I'm like, define. I was like, because if you're like, you know, 12 to 13, I'm like, I've got a table full of adults. I don't want you, you know, hearing or feeling things that you're not going to be happy with. Yeah. And, and, you know, she says, uh, no, I'm an art student. I've gamed, I played a lot of D and D. I'm like, okay, well that's what we're doing now. We're playing D and D. So cool. And she's great. Uh, yeah. uh, she, she, uh, played a big, uh, dumb barbarian and we played with that. Um, I joked around that, uh, and it stuck. I, I joked around that the barbarian's favorite game is peekaboo mm -hmm. because she has no, because of her low intelligence, she has no object permanence. <laughs> Where's the world going? Where am I at? Where am I at? Ah, people. Everyone's back. <laughs> so now when they want her to shut up because she's saying something stupid, they just hold her hand over her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> the world's gone. Yeah. Uh. That's fantastic. So that is one of the many hobbies that you have is actually uh, playing role-playing games. Please explain what is a role-playing game because a lot of people uh, don't even know. Uh, is it just Dungeons and Dragons? Or? The, the, dreaded, uh, the dreaded four pages in the front of every role-playing book. <laughs> Unless it's a product by White Wolf because if it's a product by White Wolf, it's going to be 30 to 40 pages of fiction, <laughs> which to me is almost better because it's introducing you to the setting. It's immersing you in it. Mm -hmm. Whereas a dry thing of what is a role-playing game, it's... Uh, so basically, uh, it's like when you uh, were a kid and you're playing pretend. Mm -hmm. um, and I found out Stephen Colbert did this before he even discovered gaming. He would sit with his friends in a closet and tell them stories and let them make choices. Really? Yeah. Uh, last year for Red Nose Day, he played a and d, &D game with one on one with Matt Mercer. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, he talks about that. He's like, you know, I did. I didn't know what RPG was. I was just telling my friends stories and letting them, you know, decide where it goes. I'm like, That's, that is literally what an RPG is, is you as the person running the game are telling a story and players are making choices. Where the game part comes in is task resolution is normally handled by the system that you're running. And the system says, I can do this, or I can do that, or I can't do this and I can't do that. And uh, a lot of them different, use different types of resolution. The most common are dice. Um, Originally uh, produced uh, polyhedral dice uh, used to come in the uh, box sets you would buy that would introduce you to these games before books came out. And then dice creators came out and suddenly that's all over the place. But some use playing cards mm -hmm. and uh, some use uh, more, even more specialized uh, dice. Some use rock, paper, scissors for task <laughs> resolution. Um, the and uh, there's one that um, there's this new game system called the One Page RPG. I don't know if you've heard of them. Mm -mm. Uh, one of them is called Lasers and Feelings, where you're a crew of a starship. Uh, the captain is is has, is currently uh, frozen to keep himself alive, so you guys have to figure out what to do. And uh, there is only one trait: lasers or feelings. <laughs> and it's a it's a it's a spectrum. Uh -huh. You start in the middle, or you st or you decide where you start. Yeah. Are you more lasers, action, or more feelings? <laughs> and when you go to take an action, you decide which one it is. And you roll the you roll a 1d6, and if it's that or below, you succeed. Uh, but it shifts. 
So eventually, you can't go all the way one way or the other. So sometimes you find yourself having to make a more, you know, lasery decision. Yeah. But they've done it for a bunch of different types of games uh, using, you know, two words that they stick together. Like, you know, as the original uh, uh, one, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So now everything is, you know, a lot of things are this and that. But uh, um, so, so uh, the other difference is uh, it's not just, you know, you and your friends putting, telling a story. You often will craft a character or a persona. Or you'll be provided with one, with some RPGs do that, um, where you know you, you, you decide who that character is, who they were, you can have secrets, you can have lairs, or you don't have to. Uh, but uh, the true fun comes from your interactions with the other people at the table. Like uh, I watched Adam Coble, who is a uh, popular YouTuber who designs games and writes games. Mm-hmm. He's, very, he's, he's very smart, and he, he looks like somebody you'd really like. He's got uh, very outrageous hair but uh and, but he, he's 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 got all the qualities you'd want but uh, um he introduced me to this game called iron swarm which is a solo rpg mm-hmm. i i played those books when i was a kid where you yeah. pick the pages i love those <laughs> yeah uh on uh, twitch uh um twitch uh slash loading ready run uh one of the guys on there um they're a bunch of canadian uh, uh improv- improvisers but they also do a lot of gaming stuff uh one of them adam he uh he'll He'll, using an overhead camera to show his dice and his pages will walk. He'll actually go through a bunch of the old game books. Oh, wow. That's awesome. It's fun. It yeah. really is. I think they pop up on YouTube as well on uh, YouTube.com slash Loading Ready Run or Loading Ready Live. They have two channels. Uh-huh. You can find one from the other. But uh, um, they're they're fun, especially watching them go back and try to make sense of the map of Warlock of Fire Top Mountain, which was the first one I ever played. <laughs> um, but... The, uh, the the true fun comes in the in the uh, in the interactions with the people around you and that includes the guy telling the story now the guy telling the story is normally not participating as an actual person in the story mm-hmm. they're participating as everybody in the story because their job is to present the setting and that can be as deep or as shallow as the game as the setting demands or as the people are comfortable with because that's really what your your end goal with any RPG of any style or anything is making sure people are comfortable. Uh-huh. Uh, something they introduced in the in the last few years that I've taken is basically you take an index card and you scribble a big X on it. Now, before you start, you have a discussion about themes and topics, and you 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 find out where people's limits are. They're like, okay, guys, so we're we're uh, a bunch of uh, investigators digging into eldritch horror. How do you, does anybody have a problem with body horror? Does anybody have a problem with this? Does anybody have a problem with that? Mm-hmm. And if they say they do, then okay, that stuff's off limits. You know, you, your job is to make sure everybody's comfortable. The X card is when somebody finds something that they didn't realize they were uncomfortable with. Oh. And you hold up the X card and we, we'll fade to black and move past it. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, you come across, uh, like, like, let's say we were playing Silent Hill, mm-hmm. the, the popular video game series. And you peek through that hole and you see what Pyramid Head is doing to those things. Yeah. Oh, hey, ho, 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 My kid listens to this, or, or I, I'm done. I got, oh, no, no, I've got daughter. Uh, I, okay, X card. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you turn your head away quickly and, you know, don't worry about it. We're not going to go, because that scene plays out for a little bit. There's more that he does. Yeah. But, you know, if they don't want to see it, that's cool. You, you just, you just work with that. Wow. I, I, I once ran a gothic horror game set in the world of H.P. Lovecraft, and this person showed up who I'd never met before, and they had a different expectation for what the game should be. They were, they apparently in their experience, uh, characters got sexually assaulted by tentacle monsters a lot. <laughs> now, tentacle monsters are nothing new to the world of H.P. Lovecraft, uh-huh. but 
I had never even considered that being something you would do. I mean, maybe if you guys have some sort of weird thing that you, oh, not weird, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no yuck yum. No yeah. Yuck, but if you have something that you do with your significant other who runs this for you, that's, mm. that's, that's cool. <laughs> but don't come to a table of strangers yeah. and pop that out there. Yeah. That's weird, man. That weird. Not, not, not that it's weird, but that's just, that's, you know, but I never thought about, I never thought about that was what you do. Mm-hmm. See, I've, I haven't, I've played maybe like one game. When we did two. Star Wars, when yeah. we did Star Wars. Yeah. I had you a lot know, of fun. It, it was so much fun playing with you, but I didn't realize until you saying it right now that that is actually what your job is. Because when you look on, um, like you see in like a movie or like, uh, what's that, what's that show that about the eighties everybody loves? Stranger Things. Um, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons and you see they've got the, the big blind screen up there and it, you don't realize that like, I never realized that that was your job was to not only create the story and, and do all the other characters, but it was to make people comfortable. I didn't even factor that in. Like, how do you go about, like, making sure, like, I know you have your, your card and stuff like that, but, like, is there is there a certain ways that you keep yourself, like, in it, but then out of it? Because you're not, are you allowed to play as the game master? Well, to a certain extent. See, the key is uh, the fact that you're playing a character. So you're playing a character. So I know you're playing uh, the droid mm. you were playing in that game. And was it a droid you were playing? I don't, I don't remember. remember. I believe it was. I believe. I believe it was. You were in a. You were like some sort of combat droid. But my thing is that the droid has a designation. The droid that you're playing is like you know, BB uh, BB seven five or whatever it is or IG IG eleven. Mm-hmm. Who I, I love IG eleven. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the Mandalorian. Oh my god. <laughs> That's why I would love to get you guys around a Star Wars table again. Anyway, um, <laughs> I love that show. Oh, yeah. I love it. But anyway, um, so you're playing IG eleven, but you're Josh. So here's what I like. Um, IG uh, IG eleven, you step up to the you, you know you step in front of the scanner and it runs over your your, your hull, and you know you're confident that you shield it inside your inside that it's not going to pick up the blaster pistols you have inside, and it comes back up and IG IG eleven, it's going to ask you a question. I say you know state your designation and all this stuff, and then I'll be like, Josh, are you going to lie to him? Ah. So I'm addressing the character and I'm addressing you. Okay. That's how I keep you comfortable. Like, you know, it's like, you know, the, or like, so let's say that the robot had been captured and they were going to do like they did to the robot, at the, you know, like in a cloud, like in uh, Return of the Jedi, where they're that poor Gronk droid that they're torturing. Yeah. You know, like, I was like, okay, they're going to put a brand on, they're going to put a brand on uh, IG 11 and they're going to probably try to tear, you know, try to stimulate, torture him to find out what he knows. Are you, you know, do you need that X card? Yeah. Are you, are you comfortable with that? Yeah. Because you know a lot of players wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I mean, because let's be fa- let's be honest. The one thing that we never touch on uh-huh. and we never acknowledge is I highly doubt Slay let Leia put that outfit on herself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I imagine there's a reason why we cut yeah. from her capture to her in that outfit. Yeah. Because it's probably the, the player would have been uncomfortable. Yeah. The You're pl- right. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Like. Or, like, do you really think that somebody with as much animosity for Han Solo, now that he's awake, didn't rough him up? Yeah. He didn't talk about that. We didn't look at that. That's not important. I imagine if I was running the game, uh, I probably would have been, like, you know, um, I'd have been probably sent a text or something to Luke's player and said, look, in this setting, there is fully functional cybernetics, okay? So don't worry if, you know, if something happens and you get hurt, you'll be fine. And then he loses a hand. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't cut off a character's hand, especially if he's a swordsman. Yeah. Without saying, you know, letting them know that's where it could go. Uh huh. Because 
some players, you know, would at the beginning of the game, you try, and that breaks and limits thing, mm -hmm. some player could say, I really don't like the idea of becoming disfigured. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, this system isn't that specific. There were systems back in the day that were that specific. Uh -huh. I mean, I was playing a, a character in an old game called RuneQuest, and I lost a leg <laughs> because armor was armor was uh, locational uh -huh. to the point where what's on your thigh, what's on your calf, what's on your foot, what's on your hand. And I thought that the leather skirt would protect my leg. And it did not. not. <laughs> lost my leg at the knee. Oh, man. Yeah. I was I was angry. Yeah. I was Because it had not been explained to me that was a possibility. So no matter what game it is, you have to explain that. Now, um, a lot of modern games are going up in the level of abstraction, mm. which is weird for me and it's hard for me to adapt to because they, they, they tell you in the books, don't prep. Really? Mm -hmm. It's got to be a back and forth. It needs to be a back and forth. You react to what the players do. If you've written everything out, you're not going to be reacting. You're going to be leading them to the places. Now, that, to be fair, I've not seen any mystery game that does that uh -huh. because you can't do that in a mystery. You cannot be like, um, you can't be like, uh, um, you can't be like uh, improvising a mystery. Yeah, a mystery has beats. A mystery yeah, you has. You have to hit these certain things. Mystery has a timeline. Yeah, like it, it like that wonderful uh, game, uh, computer game, where you're a guy on the Orient Express and uh, you you snuck on the train. But there's stuff going on. Now, what makes this game so weird is that there's a there's a pocket watch between the different stops. Mm -hmm. And it's the first game I've ever seen that did it. And I've never known well, Fallout does it a little bit, but this one is a mystery, so it's important. There's a timeline. Everything's happening. Mm -hmm. If you're not there, that's tough. It still happened. <laughs> this meeting between these two people where somebody's going to end up dead, mm -hmm. if you're not there, you're not there. Wow. It, oh, if you're not in the dining car listening to these people having a conversation about something that they're doing then you miss it and that's that could be key information to solving the mystery so it really helps you go back for replay value yeah it's like well man what did i miss what did i miss but that's that that's how you have to run um an rpg at the table yeah like uh if uh so one of my favorite characters i ever introduced into star wars when i was playing a, when I was a star wars game was they were on tatooine and one of them was one of the things like if you're a smuggler you have a ship but, you know, there's something wrong with it. Do you owe money? He said, rickety ship. And so they decided they owed money. So I said, okay, you owe money to a, a crime boss here. I was like, you know, this is set in the time of the Old Republic, so there's no job of the hut or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So what's a crime boss? I was like, oh, you go to meet, you go to meet with, uh, with, uh, with him. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. It's been a few years. And um, I was like, you go to meet with him. They, they take you downstairs, uh, down five flights of stairs into the deepest, darkest cave you can find. And uh, you are led through the low-lit room to a glass wall. Uh, everything on the other side is brown and murky. And then up against the glass wall, you see floating into view, it's a Mon Calamari crime boss who lives in a tank <laughs> deep below Tatooine. Cool. I, I like subverting expectations because the only Mon Calamari you see in the fiction are heroic. Yeah. Leaders. Yeah. But then you read up on them and they're like, you know, they're they're very clever and they're very deep minded and they were a slave race to the Empire and now they don't, you know, now, now they, don't, they don't, they don't owe anything to the Empire. I'm like... Yeah, but that doesn't mean they automatically want to become soldiers either. Yeah. And, you know, there's spice to deal in. So I took the idea of, like, maybe they're dealing in spice. like, and, but, anyway, but the idea is that um, uh, you, you don't need to feel limited by the fiction. But you also, like we were saying, is that um, newer games are telling you don't prep. Mm -hmm. uh, the one I'm running right now uh, is a game called Powered by the Apocalypse because it's based off a game called Apocalypse World. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, Apocalypse World is the same way, by the way. They, they tell you, don't, don't prep. Yeah. Don't prep the first session. Let's see where everybody's going, what they want. And that is kind of interesting. 
Uh, I actually do that a little bit with D&D. I'll have a basic idea, mm-hmm. but I'll see what people like and what they want. Like uh, I introduced in the game the idea because we had a problem with religions mm-hmm. because I have a pantheon, but some people weren't interested. I said, I'll tell you what. I was like, you can use any uh, uh, ancient pantheon you'd like. You can use Greek. You can use Egyptian. You can use uh, Celtic. I wanted mm-hmm. to use Celtic. I was like, but above that, there is the higher power that is only referred to as the light and the dark. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, so you know, you, you worship your gods, and your gods have you know things you can understand. But the light and the dark is more abstract. And then I introduced the idea of the dark church, and uh, they're not servants of the dark. They simply are a group of people who want to become gods, mm-hmm. and they decide to do that is to get people to worship them. But they also need to find a, a way to break through the planar barriers to get to the planes where the gods live. So they can like, you know, dwell amongst the gods and stuff like that. So I saw a guy interested. He's like, that sounds like kind of like a, a Hellraiser thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I already had a Hellraiser Rubik's Cube. I was like, well, when you go to the church, you find that there is a, a tesseract that they seem to be twisting and turning like some sort of puzzle. Mm-hmm. And I put it on the table and like three of the players were like, ooh. <laughs> so that influenced the direction. I, yeah. I, had defi- I had some rough definitions of what the dark church was. Mm-hmm. But when I saw what they were interested in, I started creating abstract descriptions of what we all call Cenobites. Yeah. You know, I, I was like, one of them is called the, the you know, the, 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 the torturer in chains. And I created the idea that, you know, he's got hooks and chains coming out of everywhere. And they're like, because they, the, the, the half the table was interested in the idea of them being like that. So it, it was a, it was a, you know, you basically just react. You, uh, and if you can't react, that's fine. There's nothing wrong if you're throwing a curveball and saying, oh, oh, hey, guys, let's uh, take about 10 minutes yeah, and sit there and think. And if you and ask questions, too. Um, some people say it's not a good idea to drop the veil and ask questions so they don't so they don't know that you didn't come up with it off your head. Yeah. But it's a cooperative thing. You're trying to tell big stories. If, yeah. you're, if you're not willing to give and take, then, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be hard. Now, that being said, there are players who don't want to do this. Um, I've run into players who only want the game. Uh, there was literally a whole edition of D&D designed around this called 4th Edition D&D where um, everything was designed as a series of connected encounters. Mm-hmm. Role-playing was something you could do, but there would be players at the table who'd get annoyed because they want to get to the next encounter. Um, I actually listened to a person whose wife had gamed with him for literally 10 years, and she quit gaming with them because they were playing 4th Edition, and she's trying to role-play with another player. And one of the one of the dudes is like, "Hey, what are you guys doing over there? We're role playing. We'll knock it off." <laughs> That's the whole point. She because... walked. She walked away from the table. But I, I have a player like that who I don't talk to anymore. Yeah. Because, uh, and it's sad because he was a, he was a good friend and it kind of bothered me. But he decided that he didn't like the role playing aspect of gaming anymore. All he liked was the nuts and bolts game. Mm-hmm. And D and D, you can do that if that's what you. He found he found somebody who wanted to run the game he wanted, hmm. so we you know parted ways. It was it was it was kind of sad to me because uh, you know, but you can't force people to play the way, the way you want them to. Yeah. And um, I I would be interested in uh you know in in I would be interested in trying a session or two of a game like that. Mm-hmm. But um, no matter what the game is or the setting is. You have to give the players a heads up. If there's something you can suggest for them to watch or read, suggest it. If there's a tutorial video on YouTube, suggest it. But 
you have to make sure they understand what they're getting into with the game that you're going to run. Yeah. Like we were talking earlier about Vampire and how um, I was going to run it for some people who've only ever played the LARP or um, you know or old versions, so they don't know about the new um, uh, mechanic, the hunger mechanic we talked about, hunger dice. Yeah, yeah. So I need to explain that to them before we play because I don't want them to go into it thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go drain a hobo to get some blood power, you know, but the, uh, but that's where the you know that the hunger we were talking about when the hunger builds you don't get that choice you are being driven the hunger stronger the hunger gets uh, the worst chance it is is that you're going to freak out mm -hmm. like that uh i didn't watch it i've only ever seen clips like that one guy uh with the blonde hair and twilight who when she cuts her hand he loses his he oh loses. yeah 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 <laughs> that's exactly what we're talking about yeah. is that you know or uh you know or that uh, that reaction that gary olden has when he tastes the blood off the razor where yeah. he basically acts like he's having a, a an, almost an orgasm just tasting the blood yeah that's the kind of idea but you have to let players know yeah and even then like i said i turned around and said that uh so traditional vampire the masquerade is run where you're a bunch of vampires forming a coterie of different clans serving the needs of the greater vampire community or huddled together, um, hiding from the great political powers of the vampire nations. And I said, but I love what we do in the shadows. <laughs> so you might just be a bunch of goofballs living in a house. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to make day-to-day -day life work. That sounds awesome. <laughs> you know. So with the, the way the games are, are structured, like you said you have to get points across. So when you are running a game, do you have to know like all the rules and stuff like that? And is it your job to get it across to them? Do they have to do anything? Well, um... I will. T I do tell them. I was like, um, I'll try my best, but mm -hmm. there, if there's five or six of you, I'm not going to remember everything you can do. Yeah. So it's up to you to read the pertinent information to what you're playing and the stuff that you can do. Mm -hmm. um, the new Powered by the Apocalypse games, everything that you need to know about your characters and what's called a playbook. It's like just like a one page, two flip, uh, uh, you know, a double sided sheet uh -huh. that has your moves that you can do and uh, your any drawbacks you might have. And uh, on the back will be a sheet of like some advanced stuff that you can do. And then you'll be given a sheet of basic moves. Uh -huh. And that's all you need to know as a player for that game. Other games, though, like if anybody listens to critical or watches Critical Role, which was a big popular show on um, on Twitch and on YouTube. When I say popular, last year they did a Kickstarter to try to get an animated series started. Uh-huh. $12 million. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. They just posted like a weekend when they were at 8 million. I mean, 6 million. They just posted a, a like a short video where it's just the, uh, the uh, DM and a couple of the players who are like producers just sitting in a circle, the stunned look on their face. They're going, because uh, uh, they were just stunned. I yeah. Mean, they didn't expect that kind of, but yeah. um, the last episode, they all leveled up to 12 mm -hmm. and at level 12 in D and D Travis Willingham, the player has playing a warlock. And now that he's level 12, uh, 10, because he multiclassed, but now he's level 10, a spell that he uses since level 1 called Eldritch Blast fires out a bolt of energy. Starts with 1. Then it gets to 2. And at level 10, it gets to 3. Mm -hmm. He forgot. And the GM's got like six players at the table and a monster he's trying to run. He doesn't remember either. Yeah. There's a chat, and the chat's going crazy. You've got a third blast. you got a third blast. But the thing is, like I'm saying, is that it's, it's not implicit on Matthew as the GM to remember mm. that Travis has a new power. Travis, as his character, Travis should know that. And it, no one's blaming him, though, because you just leveled up. You can yeah. forget that. You know, and some people don't level up till they get to the table. It's yeah. not that, because that part of it isn't what's important to the character. And that's fine, you know, but 
So yeah, it, it's in the, the to answer your, your question, like I said, uh, you only need to know as much as you need to know to portray the character you're portraying. Yeah. Um, but for them to be a participant, they they need to put forth some sort of effort um, to kind of keep things basically in track, and also like because like like you said, you're busy, you got stuff going on, and they. Uh, if all you ask them to do is take care of their character, that's, that's not too much to ask. You know, they've got to be able to know that and then interact, I guess. How do you yeah. get them to interact with well, you? Well, now, now the new games we're talking about, like masks that I was talking about, yeah, that's built into the system. Like when you when you get to the end of character creation, there's like a, a bunch of sentences, like mm-hmm. three sentences, and you put a name by each sentence. Mm-hmm. So it's like, blank doesn't trust me because one time we did this. Mm-hmm. I've got to protect so-and-so because they don't seem to understand how the world works. Mm-hmm. So these are like, connections that have already been built so you know it takes a little bit of the of, of the weight off um so the uh, so that's that's something that uh that the players uh, can do to help things run smoothly is to uh build uh, now like i said if it's a less abstract game like there's the crossover ones like that game descent you know where you're playing yeah. a character card um that has like a, a picture and a description of everything they can do you could role play with that if you wanted to because you're they even created an expansion, which is a box set of literally like card sleeves where you put your character and all your equipment in there. So uh-huh. when you come back, you can play a different dungeon and there's a big map. So you travel across the map. So it's really on the borderline of, a, of an RPG and yeah. a board game. Um, those are kind of some of my, my, my favorite uh, board, board games like uh, Murder City was one I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, but uh, Or um, a game that I've used for settings because of how beautiful it is and how rich it is is White Wolf's uh, Android. Mm-hmm. It's also a card game now. Yeah and, yeah. and it just became an RPG setting book. Literally, really? literally 10 years after the board game came out, now it's become an RPG setting book. Because <laughs> it's so, it, is, it, it is so rich. You've got psionic people. You've got clones. You've got the, the aforementioned androids. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. And it's all built around this uh, city that's built around a space elevator that connects the Earth to the moon. <laughs> And it's it's gorgeous. And when you're playing that board game, mm-hmm. you have a deck, and you're advancing your story as you play. Yeah. And you choose how it's going to break down. You know, you could in positive, and there's like a picture, there's, there's like a card you get for that last one, mm-hmm. and you see them pushing, like like the mercenary pushes past uh, her past, and moves on, and the last, uh, and you know, re- reunites with her father and becomes builds a bro. The other one, she's holding fistfuls of money, and she's broken. Because she 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 sacrificed her father and her relationship in mm-hmm. pursuit of money, or the the poor uh, former uh, military guy who's a private eye, who has memory problems because of some injuries. He either reconnects and and figures out you know how to make a new life, or he's like there with, with you know with a bottle he's he's giving it up. Mm-hmm. And those are choices. It's this is a board game, and it's but the, 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 that's why it but eventually it's on became the borderline. That's why so. that, that's why it's now an RPG setting. Yeah. A, a few board games, uh, you know. Uh, bring that level of richness. Like uh, the the big one is Gloomhaven. Yeah, have you heard of Gloomhaven? I've heard of it, but I haven't played it or anything. So yeah, you get a character and you get decks that you build as you play, uh, and it's one of those more modern things in board games where you you you're basically playing it playing it once. Mm-hmm. But that game you can literally get hundred a hundred hours out of, of a board game. Really? Yeah. Uh, th- yeah. That's. Tr- I think I'm not sure if Time Stories was the first one to do it, but the idea of having like you know you made this choice, tear up this card. I it's the first time I had seen that was in um, uh, Risk Legacy. Was the first time. I, I think had Time seen Story. It, like, I think Time Stories might have came out before that. Really? Thing. Yeah. I always wanted to play Time Stories, but you know that's a lot of money. And <laughs> but then you think about how many board games have you bought that you played once? Yeah. 
True. But at least in this one, you're playing through a multiple session, mm. and that leads to a conclusion. Yeah. Uh, the downside is, of course, if you're playing something like that, how do you rely on people being able to go through that game from beginning to end? Yeah, you got to have like, like a solid groove. Like 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 Gloomhaven. Let's read a hundred hours out of this. How are we gonna that loading <laughs> that loading ready run channel? Uh-huh. They played through Be- Betrayal Legacy, which is a version a legacy version of Betrayal of House on the Hill. Mm-hmm. And because they're professionals and they get they get paid, they they definitely stuck it out. But that took twelve sessions. And I'm yeah. like, Man, where are you going to find five people who are going to be able to get together on a weekly basis and yeah. play? They did it bi-weekly, but still, even every every two weeks and play through, you know, without them getting paid to do so. Yeah. Well, that's like with, um, from what I've understand from uh, role-playing games is uh, you got to get a group together. You got to make sure that they're, um, you know, you have people that are willing to take a day out of their, it could be their week or their month that you have set aside to come and play a game but how do you well, find that, those kinds of people but that's what well i told you i have a, a meetup group called savannah gaming hub yeah oh okay so the, these are people that are ready to, to... I'll, I'll post a game in a time and i'll you know and, and if people are interested they'll respond and they'll rsvp mm-hmm. and i am once sad about it but at the other thankful for the pandemic because i really like sitting at a table and working with people mm-hmm. but i understand that's not feasible right now yeah but i like it because it also means that Getting people, you don't have to get people to a place. Yeah, they can be at their home, and because basically to do it over Discord, you just have to um, have a computer, right? Yeah, yeah, you know? or your phone. Yeah, you yeah. Can just do it straight. From your, yeah, I mean, yeah, or a tablet. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is if you're not going to do the video. I don't know if you could do video from your phone. You can do video from the tablet, and you yeah. can do video from your PC. Um, I don't know if you could do video from your from from your from your phone though. But yeah, and and uh, and they have video audio channels. It's really nice, and they have dice bots, so you can just roll the dice right mm. there in the channel. Wow. Well, not not in the audio video channel, but one of the other channels. It's like literally for dice. And since you can have multiple channels, here's where we calculate the loot. Here's where we just talk about stuff. Here's where we specifically talk about game stuff. It's it's it. Discord's a wonderful tool for that. Yeah. Well, do you feel like I know that you prefer to have the people actually like be in a setting? What what are some of the drawbacks of being Discord? Because you have their faces, you have their voice, you have the all the dice that you would need. Yeah, but I don't um, I don't have the ability to like you know, uh, sit here and say oh um you know like you know. I don't know. I, I guess I haven't really fully explored it yet. So maybe there is not going to be the disadvantage. I just don't. I'm, it's a hard to feeling a certain amount of level of empathy. Yeah. When I'm sitting next to somebody in a in the same location, there is a connection that I can't quite describe that doesn't come across through Discord. You know, um, like uh, my friend James is recording in his bedroom, but his you know his kid comes in, hmm. his wife comes in. That's not a big deal. Yeah. But it can, you know, in a sense, break the connection. Yeah. And when you're all together in the same place, it's easy to build a sense of immersion. Yeah. Sense, sense, feeling, uh, I don't know, environment of inver- of immersion where you feel like you're in that place. Yeah. Like, um, like, let's say we were playing that horror game that we were talking about or we were playing the Star Wars game. Um, I've got LED bulbs. You're sitting around my table. As you go down, I can slowly lower the lights. <laughs> That's awesome. But that doesn't happen across a Discord true, server. True, right. true. Right. Um, I also have a tower Bluetooth speaker in the corner. Mm-hmm. You enter the tavern. I have like Sirenscape, which is a wonderful app. Um, you can suddenly 
pipes and all these uh, background noises and music and stuff. I mean, if you watch Critical Role, like I said, um, he's he's been using the Witcher soundtracks mm-hmm. for his background music. Yeah, and it really you know can create a sense of urgency when the battles are going and that music is playing in the background. That's what's the that's what's the wonder is of uh, you know being able to play face to face that you may not necessarily get. I mean, granted, uh, as I explore now, I can find that I can since I'm playing on my laptop, I could play music in the background and I could probably use the Serenscape stuff. But um, it's not in the background. Yeah, it's right there in their face. And no matter how low I make it, for some players, it could really be distracting and they can't control, they can't turn their head. They can't, you know, they could ask me to turn it down and I will. But yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm anxious for when face to face comes back, but I'm going to lose like that teenage player. She says she's not, you know, she wouldn't be allowed to play in somebody's home. Oh yeah, true. And I don't, I don't blame her at all. I mean, you know, I'm. Uh, you know, I I I I fully understand that it's gonna suck. I mean, we Could just you talked. Set her up with like a little camera, like a little laptop. That'd be adorable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a long running uh, there's a long running web comic called Full Frontal Nerdity, mm-hmm. and there's uh, three there's a GM and uh, like two players, and one of them is and the the third player is literally a. Um, one of those little ball cameras on top of a stand. <laughs> they take it everywhere. They talk to it like it's the person. Yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. Yeah. But uh, um, so, yeah, uh, hopefully, you know, she'd still be able to game remotely. But, you know, we also know as you know, you enter late teens, your life's going to change anyway. Yeah. College and all that. So, yeah. yeah. Probably limited time offer anyway. So limited time availability. So I'll just try and take as, take as much as I can yeah. while I can. Yeah. That being said, it is, I am finding it difficult to uh, maintain um, a week-to-week game uh, during this time because I don't know. Lately, I've just been feeling so much uh, uh, stress and anxiety. Yeah, uh, I I've never had stress like you know like this before of literally wondering you know is is the world coming to an end? Yeah, and it, it sounds silly to say that out loud as an adult. You should think, well, no, everything's gonna be fine. But I don't have any faith right now that everything is going to be fine. Yeah, I mean. I don't know if, you know, we are going to survive another four years of this guy. And I'm not going to make this political, but that terrifies me. And, yeah. and, you know, thinking that there are people here in the South who that even if they want him out, won't vote with a black woman on the ticket. Yeah. It's, it's a scary, scary time that we, you know, that we are unfortunately having to live through, you know, and for people um, who need the social interaction to make it through their day or they... Um, need like life to be a certain way it, it's hard for like like with with me i i go to work every day um but that's really my only outlet because when i'm at work i'm at work and when i'm home i'm with, with dinner or working on the podcast or something like that you know but um that's my that's my outlet so all of my stories have come from work but if i didn't have a job and i was stuck at home i would be feeling some of the same things you know luckily like Luckily, I've still had, I mean, I've begrudging some of the things I've had to do at work, but like, luckily I've been able to at least see other people, mm-hmm. but I feel for these people who are at home and they don't have the option to, to even go places because there's something about being a human that is, uh, you need other humans. And with, uh, if you don't have it, it feels like there's something missing. So that's, what's kind of cool that I, when you told me the other day that you were doing the, uh playing your game over over discord like at least you're still getting that outlet you know it might not be exactly the same but mm-hmm. you have that 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 way that you can still pull that little bit of randy out of the darkness well the games know? the games that don't happen mm-hmm. they turn into like literally a two or three 
uh, hour session of us just talking about the media we're consuming, yeah. the stuff we're interested in, and just and just talking and just just talking. Yeah. And those are almost as valuable to me as, or even more valuable to me as the game session because yeah. I'm feeling a sense of connection. Yeah. So these things you write up, you do you like say you run through like because I've seen some of the things that you like. I remember when we used to work together, you had brought in a couple of things that you were working on to, for me to look through, and um, I always thought it was super fascinating, but. Um, like when you go through and you, you do all this prep and you're, you like, you run through the campaign, what do you do? Do you keep all this stuff? Um, it really depends. I mean, I've got a few notebooks around the house that have a lot of old stuff in it. Yeah. Um, though now that I do stuff on Evernote, I, I trust that it'll always be there to yeah. some, to some extent. Uh, so it depends. Uh, I actually ran a campaign that I, I've been, tr I've been trying to piecemeal the notes together to try to make it into an actual setting campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll talk about it vaguely here and TM, 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 TM. But the, the idea is that, so Route 66 mm -hmm. opened in 1927 and it links Chicago all the way out to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So the idea, the story starts with uh, in Chicago at a funeral for a friend. You're all friends of this character. Now, I refined it this last year at Dragon Con. I actually tried setting it up. So basically I take five cards out of the deck. I assign a role to each card. Mm -hmm. There's the best friend. There's the rival. There's the lover. And uh, there's the relative. And uh, then uh, and there's the mentor. Put them all together. Shuffle, 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 shuffle. Draw a card. Ah. That's your relation to this person who's dead. Okay. When you get there, uh, they they say that his car was found and he was uh, that he had been that he had been shot in an attempted robbery they believe, though he was outside the car and he was shot in the back which you might learn as you investigate and if you go to the funeral home you find that his body has been tampered with, the brain has been removed. And if you're if your if your relationship to him and you you know you you tug on that string you're like well I know he didn't live here at the house all all the time but you, when you get to the house his his particular set of rooms have a high set of locks on them. If you got the skills, you break in the room. You find his notes, and you realize that his story, which was supposed to be a puff piece on Route 66, has discovered that there is a more sinister uh, um, uh, motivations behind this connecting highway. That there's a company called Osiris, who is a sole but a sole contractor for all the construction, and you know, so you can go to their offices and try to find out what's going on. But then, you know, you also uh, investigate some of the notes and. You t you go shake down the if you find out the body's been messed with and the brain's missing you go to the you go to the undertaker and you shake him down and he tells you that you know somebody that you know that somebody came and took uh, took the body and then they brought it back you figure out who that is you go to their place you find out that they're using some strange machine to read his memories from his bread from his dead brain it it was not, like I said it was interesting because you know um, it depended on your level of connection uh, so it's like. If you're the lover, you want to know why your why your ex lover is dead. You, yeah. you really want to know. And if you're the mentor, you're wondering why they didn't come to you. So you know those the the, the random dealing deltas. But I ran it as a regular uh, sorry regular Call of Cthulhu campaign with no none of the connections. I just basically used it as a, I, I just talked to the players and learned about their characters and I mm -hmm. gave them a relation. Like one character, she's a doctor, but she's also European and she was a fencer. I'm like, well, you know, he's pretty athletic too, so you know, um, he, you guys fenced a lot, and you were, you were good friends, and you know, and he loved, he loved learning languages. This is a trait I just, I, that's a trait I just added. Yeah, yeah. He loved learning languages, and you know, he liked learning German, and he liked, you know, you guys would, would sometimes, you know, pass notes and talk stuff, and you were helping him with his German. Yeah. 
Okay, that's my question. Another one is now a uh, one of them. Another player character is a law enforcement, is a bookstore owner. It's like, oh yeah, man, you guys, mystery book club, reading books, going to locations, talking to authors. You know, you guys just love doing that. You know, and one guy was a criminal. And it's like, well, you know, it's nineteen twenty five, nineteen twenty seven. Alcohol is illegal still. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you guys like to go into speakeasies here in Chicago. That's a big thing, you know. Yeah. You know, you, you know, it was, so you basically take what they're giving you and you try to, you know, try to make it work. Now, the, the campaign spans all the way across. I didn't, we did not quite get to finish because some players had come in who really didn't like the horror setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was uh, a little too um, gross for them. Yeah. Because, I mean... One guy came in, and, and he was new to this kind of RPG, and he decided to see how far he could push me by trying to kill everybody. Oh, God. And the players, the other players told him, we've been playing this game for a year. If you killed our characters, we would have words outside. <laughs> because oh, after a year yeah. of playing weekly, yeah. 50 times you sat down with this character for four hours, you love this character. Yeah. Some jerkwad comes in and kills that character. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I relate, because I, I don't play a lot of RPGs, but I relate that to, like, like video games, like if I had spent a hundred hours playing this video game and you just walked up and deleted it, I would kill you. <laughs> or, or, or like like games like Dark Souls where you screw up a run. Yeah. You screwed up your run. Yeah. There's no editing your save. There's no multiple save files. You're screwed. Yeah. Like Persona Five Royale, the new one that came out. There's a new semester in it. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't built a relationship to NPC X, mm-hmm. you don't unlock that chapter and guess what buddy boy you don't know if you did that wrong until about hour 20 (laughs) or 30 i I know it's a high number yeah and you're like oh i've got to start over yeah or i don't get the the dlc yeah that i bought this specific edition of the game to get (laughs) that's crazy to me but i mean that's that's similarly what we're talking about you've been playing this game for a year you want to find out what's really going on and get to the end game yeah so and so come in and killed your character great I can show up with a new character next week who doesn't have any that I have no connection to yeah. for the last three sessions. I might as well just stay home. Exactly, you know. exactly. But and, and this person tried to kill everybody. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he's laying there in the aftermath of the explosion that everybody escaped from. Mm. And one player who's barely alive, who, who confronts everything with his weighted walking stick, crawls across the, park, the, the lot to where he's laying and beats him to death with his walking <laughs> stick. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to be that the improvis, improvisation is where the most fun can be had. Yeah. Like they're hiding in a room and one guy's holding the, holding the knob. So they can't, the other guy can't open the door mm. and the guy's pulling on the knob and he just says it out. Nobody's home. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're boned. Yeah. <laughs> so what, um, it sounds like you like to have a, uh, a solid group, a solid game. You have to have a certain type of, <laughs> person is there sir, a particular type of player that you look to to have or certain traits that they may that you're looking for to bring towards the game do you are you always looking for somebody who's like funny or like like what if like i really want to play uh, a game with you but like i my imagination is just bleh. like <laughs> hey when in, when in doubt steal i mean you know um uh if you if you like uh I always tell, I always, if I see that somebody is like, you know, at at what you're talking about, 
not super like creative. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, so um, because I had one guy who showed up who wanted his character to be named like a, a name and a number, and I'm like a, a word and a number. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this would always play in online games. I'm like, that's great, but this is a world with first and last names and parents. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's there's I said go you got your you got your phone. I was like, you can r- r- look up a random name generator. It won't take you long. Yeah, I don't care if it's a random name, as long as it's actually something that I can work and doesn't break the immersion of the other players. Mm. Like if they have to call turn to you and call you Cargo Five, or like, yeah, these are my friends, Dwindlin, uh, Amanda, and Cargo Five. Smoke Dog Four Twenty. <laughs> it was something. It was something like that. And I was like, I, I even said, um, well, I was handing out pre-mades. I said, man, I wish I had more uh, pre-mades. I said because there's a character race in this game called Warforged, which is basically a battle robot. Mm. And if I could have had one. I would have handed it to him and let him play that name because a robot being named Cargo 5, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. But an actual person with parents being yeah. named something silly. We're a very proud 5 family. <laughs> but I was, I was, get back. So you're not creative. I'd be like, okay, well, when in doubt, steal. So I'm like, so what do you want to play? I'm playing this. Or if it's a playbook, the, the, the great thing about the playbook games is they take a lot of that out. Mm-hmm. It's like, describe your look. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of hair? And the, the, the words are not just brown or dust. It's a descriptive. Wild hair. Mm-hmm. Strange hair. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then it'll you so it, it helps you and push you in directions, which is one of the things I love about those games. Some some actually use tables to help you determine that, like random traits about your character and stuff like so that. So you would just roll off and see kind of what your character looks like or traits that he has. Yeah, but a lot of times I'll just you know I mean like when in doubt you can steal, you know I was like is there you know um, I was like so who does he look like instead of what does he look like who does he look like so you can cast the character mm-hmm. once you do that maybe that'll give you some information like so yeah you know, who does he look like oh that guy from the you know wonder woman in the star trek movies that's oh, so he looks like chris pine so he's a very handsome individual yeah. yeah okay is he that clean cut does he have you know does he like wear his hair longer is he braids so yeah and then you just you can lead them and you know they'll they'll catch up or just swipe you know if you say my guy has thick white hair and carries a silver sword and a non-silver sword okay cool all right, you want to play The Witcher? Play The Witcher. We can yeah. do that. I mean, hell, I went through, I told you superheroes, I went through a five-year span where everybody either wanted to play a variant of Vaughn, uh, Spawn or Venom. <laughs> like Venom, but. Yeah. Like Spawn, but. Yeah. Okay, we can uh, work with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that, that that's another thing about, like we were talking about before, with you being able to, like, adapt and make people feel comfortable i guess that is important to get across like you don't have to be uh you don't have to have the imagination of a, of a writer to be in this game you just kind of be willing to go with it you know um and accept the players on on their terms like uh, me me and a friend uh, who go to dragon con every year one year we sat in on a star wars rpg mm-hmm. he and the he and i were the only ones not playing wookies i'm not playing wookies sorry not playing jedi mm. everybody's playing jedi i'm playing a slicer Mm-hmm. Who like you know is a, their their version of a hacker, and he's playing a a con man slash rogue like a, like a Han Solo. Yeah, everybody else is a Jedi. The GM basically ran a game for Jedi's. That wasn't what was advertised in the blurb. That's mm-hmm. not what we play sat down to play, but that's what the game was. Mm-hmm. So we felt like we we were left out. Yeah, well, y'all were the outsiders. Everyone else has the Force power, but we had no idea that was what was going to happen. Yeah, and one of them was playing their character from home who has a twelve page backstory. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a four-hour convention game slot. I am not reading your twelve-page backstory. Um, if you if you want to give me some bullet points of some things you like, some themes you like me to touch on, mm-hmm. like the temptation, or you know, or or like you know, a, a relationship that you want to you know have come up, we can do that. 
but I I don't want to have to sift through that twelve page backstory. I don't want to read a short story. <laughs> I don't. It's not even I don't want to. I don't have time. Yeah. To read this, digest it, and interpret what it is you want me to take out of it. Yeah. If you want to give me some bullet points of what to take out of it, cool. It's like so you know you know one of my parents is uh you know is 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 dead and the other one is a brain and a, and a robot and my brother is a bounty hunter who wants to bring me in for the death of my dad. Okay. Yeah. Whereas if I got to sift through your story and there's like a page eight is where you mention your brother doesn't like you and he wants to bring you in. I'm like, I'm not, I don't have time to dig. Yeah. That's why, that's why that on the, on the character sheet, that box for that, it's about that big, <laughs> about five inches up. Yeah. That's, that's about the extent I can take right now. Yeah. Now, uh, the new version of the D and D, uh, uh, there is literally a sheet that has a lot of things, but they group it. Factions, relations, you know, smart. So it's like I can glance over it and get a general idea of what it is that you At think is that you think is important. Yeah. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And I even have a little box for a character portrait where you can uh, upload a JPEG or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm sorry, not yeah, but you can you can put in any you know, a photo of some actor that you think to play the character that you maybe photoshopped a different colored hair on, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Or a piece of art that you've drawn. And it's a piece of art that you've drawn. I know that you're connected to some how this character appears because you put in some you work. put in some work. Yeah. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, that's important. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I got to remember that. Um, and you know, whereas if I get like an MS Paint, uh, you know, a doodle that looks like it was drawn by a five year old, like, okay, that's not important to you. Yeah. You know, you know, there's not even anything written in the description about height and weight. So I'll ask just because I like to know. Yeah. It's like about how tall, about how heavy, because mainly for that whole like Batman thing, how much did you weigh? And you don't weigh 140, but you don't weigh 120 pounds. I'm like no shit, Batman. She's my language. No, no, no crap, Batman. She's she, she's five eleven. Of course, she doesn't weigh one hundred and twenty pounds. So you you mentioned you were playing at uh, conventions and stuff like that. Like how much, how how different is that than playing at a um, at like your home? Like you have four hours usually in like a slot, I guess. So you have to get get six hours. No, no, six people. Six people up to six people. Oh. And I, I almost always sell out my my slots. So. Oh, so how do you how do you condense that down? Is it just like are you just like go 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 go? If there's a player that's like well, lagging, are first you of like all, rapid. First of all, I give them a, uh, uh, no game ever ends like you'd like to, but I give them pre made characters. Mm. Uh, they have some to choose from, uh, and uh, I know in the slot I try to. Uh, it's hard to wrap up in time for the slot ending, and I always apologize if I don't. As long as everybody's having a good time, I don't mind. But uh, there isn't too much of. Uh, analysis paralysis which is where people just sit around can't decide what to do yeah because there's a very important factor at a con you have paid for that slot at that table this may be the only time this year you get to game so you are hyper focused yeah you're looking over the sheet you're asking questions you're laughing you're talking you're interacting with the other players you are on 100 percent and you it's it's easy. It's it's so easy to get them invested because that's what they came for. Yeah. You know, they paid money. Granted it's only like five bucks for the four hour slot. Still. But it's the point is they paid money. So this last year I ran all a call of Cthulhu, that's all I ran. Mm-hmm. Fifteen minutes. That's how long all all five sessions took to sell out. That's that's thirty seats in fifteen wow. minutes. And I had people come in. I, I tried to I tried to get in, but it was like because at first I was like, Oh, someone told me it sold out in six hours. They're like, No. That's when they tried, and they, they somebody tried it six hours and saw it was sold out. Said, no, it was fifteen minutes. I was like, yeah. because everybody's running D and D. Yeah, everybody's running maybe Pathfinder. 
nobody's running Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. But people, now that it's public domain and there's all these computer games and TV shows yeah. and the, the, the Hulu series Lovecraft Country, which is going to be interesting because the main the protagonist is a black man. It's set in the it's set in the 30s in the new the New England area Lovecraft yeah. Country. It's going to touch on some of those things we were talking about. Yeah. What it was like in those areas. What the, what the white people were like yeah. and how hard it is to work past that. And it looks like it's going to be fascinating and high production values. I hope so, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, um, but, uh, so people want to, want to explore, uh, and we're far enough away. We're almost a hundred years away that it seems like a lifetime ago. But what makes, what makes Call of Cthulhu great is that time period because of all the things you don't got. Mm-hmm. You don't have a cell phone. You have to go find yourself a telephone and hope you have a number. There's, you know, if, if you and your friend, if you and your friend climb your car to go look around an old house that your grandpa left you, mm-hmm. it could be weeks before anybody knows you're not coming back. Yeah. Something bad happens, you break your leg, you are booed. Yeah. I mean, there was the three rules I joke about. I said, okay, so three rules of Call of Cthulhu that you always got to remember. Uh, if you can, go during the day. Don't go alone. Save the last bullet for yourself. <laughs> it's 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 a joke but uh, uh that game you know you, it, it, it has a sanity mechanic so you can go insane if you want to have a fun time if you want to take break it down into chunks of hours because it's like three and a half hours uh talus and jaffe one of the players um on critical role did a one shot last uh uh halloween season of running call of cthulhu mm-hmm. beautiful production values everybody's in costumes and he made all these props and pieces and stuff i'm like oh i hate you because I don't have your funds. I don't have a. I don't have a team of people to make this. Like there's this little device. Oh, it's a. It's a prototype electrical device. Yes, if you put this thing in the bottom of it, it'll start to work. Oh wow! Here's a puzzle box. Can you figure out how to open it? Click, click, click. I opened it. Yay! There's something inside for you. Wow! You're killing me, man. <laughs> you know, shadows. The shadows twist and move. And on the wall up above behind him, the shadows are twisting wow. and moving. I'm like, oh, I hate you. Oh, I hate you. That's, that's something that I've always thought was like some one of the, the coolest things about the. Yeah, well, that's that, that's actually what somebody, a lot of people are complaining about about Critical Role, is that because they have production teams and staff, and budgets, they can produce games, and because they're all trained uh, or experienced uh, actors and voice actors, you're not going to get that experience. Yeah, it's a shame. But you, if you watched all 400 hours of uh, Critical Role, and then you go find yourself a game, and the GM is a um-er. Mm-hmm. So um, you guys uh, um, are finding yourself in the city of Waterdeep um, in the financial district. And uh, you, uh, you, the town's guard comes up to you, and he says, you know, why are you here? And what do you guys think? What do you want to say? As opposed to, you know, like, it's a cold and rainy night. And as the rain clatters on the cobbles, you hear a clack, clack, clack. And out of the darkness comes, uh, lit by a single light from a cigar, city guard. He has a torch in one hand, and his other hand is on his short sword. And he's like, you guys can't stand here in the straight. You're going to have to push off. What do you do? See, there, but the, you're not going to get B. You're not even, you know, you might, but you, you're pro- you may. You may even get somebody who, we're in Savannah. Who knows? You might find somebody who's like, you know, uh, been a theater actor for like 20 years who's going to try to give you all that. The problem is, is that your fellow players are not going to be at the level of a professional actor. Yeah. I mean, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite friends who played with me of all time was playing a guy who was a superhero 
who worked at a zoo, had animal-based powers, and and you know, so he so the players go there, and they don't know he works there. I'm like, so do you have a different voice for when you're in your superhero form? Yeah. Okay. So they go, they say, excuse me. And he turns on and says, yes. No change in his voice. And everybody just laughs. <laughs> everybody breaks. <laughs> He's like, what? I'm like, dude, you said you do use a different voice. That was a different voice. <laughs> Everybody's just thinking. But you can't, you know, if he says that you use a different voice, that was when I was a much younger gamer. Mm. What I would have done now is I would reach into my bag and pull out an index card and I'd have slid it over to him. I said, when you're talking in your different voice, just hold the card up. Gotcha. That way, you know. You, and you, they're you, more comfortable that way. Yeah. They wanted to be in the character, but they also don't want to, if they, like, say they're in, like, Britain or whatever, and they have a bad British accent, they don't want to try and hold that, and that's a lot to ask. That is, yeah, you, not, that is why you're the best. Not right? every, <laughs> not everybody could be Michael Caine. Exactly. Yeah. So, so okay, so let's see. Um, you were asking about uh, um, creating a, a you, were, you wanted to talk about board games. A little bit. We don't have to talk about no, anything no, no, on here. Look. No, no, I, I don't have a problem talking about board games because <laughs> you have a much bigger collection and we met you didn't. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't feel like I, I, I'm irresponsible because you've made your choices, but you've, and of course your your lovely wife is also a, a, a board game uh, uh, junkie. Uh, well, junkie, I don't know, uh, impassioned collector. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I wish, you know, maybe you put it on your website do a, like a circle of this place because you have an you have a, a extensive collection. But what is most impressive about your collection is that it's a collection uh, not of the biggest, best board games. It's a collection of games that you love. Yeah. Or, or niche games, quirky games, games that you you know you only may have heard once. Now that uh, loading ready run channel. They did a full playthrough of all the Nightmare games. Really? <laughs> they eventually they 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 got to the ones that were virtual, like you know, virtual versions. Where, but uh, yeah, they they played through all of them. Uh, I didn't even know there were five of them. It was like, whoa. But uh, um, your 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 game collection, I like in that you also are not afraid to have children games up here. Yeah. You know, you've got uh, um, uh, you've got like uh, uh, don't wake daddy and uh, <laughs> you know stuff like that. <laughs> Because my thing is, is like I like to play games for the enjoyment. I I also don't have a lot of time as the older I get, the less time that I have in my life. And so, like a short, fun game may have been made for kids, but the fun's still there. So, like a silly game like Don't Wake Daddy is dumb and it's simple. But you know, there's something about it. when he pops up, you jump. You know, it's just it, it. You don't need to have a serious like time because you we don't have to be like pro you know uh gamers all the time like there's nothing wrong with letting loose just being silly whereas, whereas at the other end of the spectrum you have Battlestar Galactica which is an intense game where you're trying to figure out who the damn Cylons yeah. are oh yeah oh yeah and like I like that part too it's the same thing you were talking about with the, your uh RPGs is there's the, the theme there's the, crunch the theme and the but, the but there's the heart the complexity and then there's the crunch part of yeah it. yeah yeah you're right the you spectrum know, you just like some days I want to play something that is going to really test like my strategy skills and some days I just want to play something that is like just dumb, <laughs> you know, and I just can just joke around and we can, we can be drinking, having a couple beers and, and, and like, don't need to put that much effort into it and still get the enjoyment because that's what I'm there for. That's the, and I think that's the same reason why you play your games. You're not there to, I mean, yes, it's good to get the stories. It's good to get the, the, uh, the memories out of it, but also it's that joy that you feel between you and your companions that are on this adventure. The, the connection. Yeah. yeah. It, that is what's important. That is what drives people to play all these games. Yeah. Is, and unlike playing a video game, we can go play like Call of Duty or whatever. And most of the time, P- 
people aren't really like talk, they're not having conversations they're talking about like the game I smoked you man I smoked yeah, you take that it's like uh, okay well, we're, we're being so kind but how's we're being day? so kind we're we not are. talking about the 13 year olds <laughs> who are calling you uh, so many different uh, words that you're like I don't know where you learned those but yeah. somebody needs to be smacked yeah exactly exactly but like it, that's what I that's been my draw the board games and actually I was uh, probably intru- I think you may have introduced me to board games because like I played them as kids but we only ever played like Monopoly and, and mm-hmm. things that most people would play yeah. But when you get into like some of these like offshoot games, there's there's games about everything. There's games about art. There's games about um, adventure. There's games about space. There's games about like monsters right. fighting each other. Now you've got one up here that is as close to an RPG as I've seen in a board game, and that is Dead of Winter. Yeah. Because it's intense. It's harsh. Somebody may be trying to sabotage your settlement as you try to survive and solve the problem, which is drawn from a deck. And it's different each time you play. Mm. But then there's that crossroads deck. And every time you take a turn, you draw something from it. And it's something that's happening yeah. that you have to make a decision about, that you have to react to. And that decision could cost another character his, his character. It could risk you getting bitten. It could get you an advantage. But, like, there's that one where you find a horse. Mm. A horse. A horse can carry me around. I can go from any location in town in one round. Or I can get six food by sacrificing that horse. Yeah. Is that, a, is that a decision that the character who discovered it, you know, that I'm playing right now? Is that a decision he'd make? I mean, you know, he's a crazy mall Santa, so he's going to probably kill the horse. <laughs> or he's going to try to tape, tape horns to his head and call him Rudolph. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that that's just a, that's a board game. That's not even getting in as deep as, as the RPGs do, you know? And no. that's what's cool is it's starting to, you're starting to see the lines blur. But but in that game, you know, you, you lay out locations. So it is a settlement. So you do travel to location to location. But there's only limited things to do. You're right. There's there's not there's not. But you could draw an NPC from that uh, crossroads deck who could become your a new party member, mm. or or not. Like there's a person who's trapped in the wreckage of a helicopter. Do you do you risk getting hurt getting them out, or do you leave them to their fate? Yeah. And you if you get them out, congratulations, you've got another character for your ones that sit in front of you that you control. Yeah. Which is important in that game because the more characters you control, the more actions you can take, the more resources you can gather. Um, though that is something that you don't normally do in RPGs. You don't play multiple characters. Yeah. Um, the only games that tend to let you play multiple characters are ones that are focused more on the crunch. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, well, not crunch, but um, what they call uh, uh, old school uh, gaming. Uh, so uh, there's one called, uh, um, mm, uh, I can't remember the name of it, unfortunately. It was right there in the t- my tongue, and then I started talking about it. But the game, the first session is called The Funnel. Mm-hmm. You make a bunch of zero-level characters. You guys throw them at the first adventure, and whichever one comes out alive on the other side, congratulations, that's your player character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's 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 it was um, it, the book is beautiful. Mm. Uh, the system they specifically use uh, odd numbered dice, so you have to buy their dice. <laughs> Roll a D five. D five. <laughs> Are you insane? Uh-huh. This is a D thirteen. Come on, Come man. on man. You're just you're 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 just. But then again. The book's cheap. They want to keep you involved. Mm-hmm. So, and they want to make money. Yeah. So, you know, and, you know, but really um, owning us, you know, the, the dice can get out of hand. You know, I mean, you can get to the point where, like, uh, one of the players on Critical Role, she has literally what looks like a, you know, a, a seven pound garbage bag. That's, <laughs> and she lays out a roll of dice and then she starts rolling through them to see which ones are going to be lucky. <laughs> and they're like, you know, uh, there was they were saw them on a debate. Him and uh, her and her husband, who's also in the game, were on a debate show, and that was the question they asked: Is it okay to use somebody else's dice? 
And she's like, no. He's like, well, yeah. And then there was a joke. He's like, well, you know, before you get to the table, I touch all your dice. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 the reaction the reaction was priceless. It's like, oh, oh, you, you're going to pay. <laughs> oh, God. But, man, this has been absolutely fantastic. I, uh, I, uh, I, I love talking to you, dude. Uh, I, I always one, have. One last board game question. Yeah. Is it gonna is 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 board gaming as we know it gonna survive this uh, pandemic? I mean, are new games gonna be being made? Well, the way I've been thinking about it, I actually thought about this the other day because I, I spend a lot of time at work by myself and I, I think about stuff like that. And I, it's probably gonna become more like kind of the way you're doing it, you know, like it. They, but they're gonna have to adapt. So with board games, you know, you have all this stuff that, but like I'm sure you've seen Tabletop Simulator. Yeah, you know, sorry. there's probably going to be something that is like that mm-hmm. that gives you as close to a tactile form as you can get. Mm-hmm. Board gaming will never die; they've been doing it for centuries. Um, but like, there's going to be a different way of doing it. Like, you know, before, like you, you know, you would talk about one of your other games about um, uh, about the setting where you were. There was a time before there were cell phones. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, like with this, um, we're gonna have to eventually there's gonna be like oh you guys used to play those board games on the table what are you doing <laughs> i was about to do my jeff Br- my jeff bridges from uh, iron man impression you know saying like you know um hg wells played ship battles on the floor of his house <laughs> well i'm not hg wells yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. but he did he had rules for playing these battles with these model ships on mm. the floors yeah of his gentleman's club not his house right but and you know, if you, you know, I imagine this is what we're talking about. It's like, you know, you're, you're, if we were, you know, a board gamer from now, it's like, you guys played on the floor. Yeah. What is wrong with you? You know, like, well, you guys had to do this. And it's going to be, there's going to be, this technology is constantly, we can't even keep up with the breakneck pace that we're always yeah. going. Something's going to come up. And, you know, it might be like in Star Wars, you know, they have the, their weird version of chess where they fight each other. That looks so much better than actual chess. So why would we ever go back to regular chess? Or, or like, uh, um, the, uh, uh, there are versions now of, uh, uh, um, I think I don't. I think Gears of War does it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I do know that uh, um, XCOM does it, and uh, uh, the uh, Mansions of Madness uh, miniature uh, investigation game. It's an investigation game with different map pieces for mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu. They use a digital GM, mm-hmm. so everybody plays, and you basically open the app, you put in how many players you have, and with XCOM, which you don't have a copy of, it'll be like. Global event happening in, in Asia, dispatch team in the next three rounds, and it'll mm-hmm. count down the rounds and things happen, and you put in the results of what happens there, and it adapts as it goes along. Mansions of Madness actually gives you flavor text. Mm-hmm. It's like, you, whose turn is it? This character. Okay, where are they going? Uh, you tap the location they're going to. They get there. Are they going to attempt to investigate it? Okay. You open the armoire, and inside you find a collection of papers. The front page reminds you of an image that you saw on your, you know, doodled in your daughter's notebooks before she disappeared mm-hmm. take a take a point of sanity yeah yeah <laughs> whereas the other character going up there is not going to get that yeah. they're going to get something completely different you know these notes appear to be in uh make it make a lore check lore check uh, they appear to be in uh you know in, in ancient greek you're like oh hmm, in which you do understand so you get something different out of it completely yeah and this is just a digital assistant helping guide you through a board game and i think what you're saying is that it could get to the point where everybody has a copy of a board mm-hmm. But the digital assistant is running it separately for each person connected. Yeah. Uh, and who knows, like what it's gonna look like? But it's definitely gonna go towards that because everything is we're constantly progressing, and I think that's eventually where we're gonna go. The, this pandemic has pushed so pushed some of these things 
away. Like, yeah. going to the movies, it's one of my favorite things to do in oh, the entire universe, oh. but it's probably going to go away, and that, that breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like, with restaurants, eating in a restaurant, it's not going to go away, but they're going to have to change the way that they do things. Like, the yeah. Starbucks at my job, they, uh, they've closed down their seating area permanently, and they're going to change that into a better way for them to get the groceries that people order online to their car. That yeah. because it's more efficient, that is better, and sorry you can't sit at Starbucks anymore, go to go somewhere else. I mean, is Broadway ever gonna come back? Is I, theater ever gonna come I back? I don't know, man. And it's scary, but but we I try not to dwell on the negatives. Negatives. I try to think like, well, if Broadway doesn't come back, what will Broadway do to yeah. keep Broadway yeah. going? Yeah, there is what is lost and there was what is gained. Exactly. I mean, uh I, I wasn't going to go off on this in, in your podcast because it has nothing to do with it. But the Hamilton movie that they that they they put up on Disney Plus, yes, is that the future of uh, of theater? You know, uh, filmed bro- you know filmed broadcasts of this, which is kind of sad because you are missing the interactivity of an audience and the feedback you get from the audience. Mm-hmm. Which, as a GM, you are a little bit of a performer, and the feedback you get from the audience can mean the players can mean a lot, but also like the interactivity. But um, like. One year I ran uh, a Call of Cthulhu game, and I'd been running this particular game for like three years. I ran it mainly because at the time I was doing a very good Vincent Price, which I'm not so, I'm not so into right now. But anyway, Vincent Price. Uh, but uh, he was the main he was the main character they kept trying to help. The first one happened on a cruise ship, and the second one happened at um, at a big house party, and the third happened at a wedding because the, he met a girl on the, on the cruise ship, and. Uh, they, 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 he introduced them to the family at the one, and the last one happened at the wedding. And there were some players who came back year after year to play in that game. Mm. And when we finished the dream wedding, they all stood up and gave me a standing ovation. Wow. Uh, and it, it was very, very enriching. And, you know, um, how are, are these stage performers, are they going to be able to live without the uh, feedback and the appreciation that you get from that live audience in the moments too, like when something shocks them and they go ooh, and when something uh, is funny, they all laugh. laugh. Are they are they going to be able to without that feedback? Because Hamilton was over four productions, yeah, and three of them were all done live, and the third one was one shot, you know, with cameras, so they could do close ups and tracking yeah. shots. But would that show be the same if all they had was that last one? Yeah, or would it? You know, without that. I mean, because the feedback in Hamilton is really important, too, as you watch it. You know, like the reaction when Jonathan Groff comes out to uh, sing You'll Be Back as King George. Mm. The way they they, way they they react and laugh as he does the, uh, you know, as he does the walk or whenever yeah. he reaches the part and he starts twitching his shoulders. Da-da-da-da-da. And they're like, <laughs> and the crowd loves it. And you can see he feeds back on it, too. Yeah. Without the feedback. that's I guess that's the word I should have used earlier when I was talking about what I miss doing it over um, Discord or Zoom or anything like that. I miss the uh, immediacy of the feedback. Like if somebody reaches out and touches your arm because something is like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there is that level of distraction. If we're all around the table, we're all focused on what we're doing. If you're at home and your mom wants you to take out the trash. Yeah. Or you get a phone call. Normally at a table, people are respectful enough to look at it. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. Or they'll even say, excuse me. But, you know, on a call, they, they could just turn their head and miss something. Yeah. And that doesn't happen at a table. But uh, with a board game, at least, yeah, I think we're, I think you're right. It's going to have to evolve. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to learn to accept the way it goes. But um, I am going to be sad for the day when nobody know, remembers what it was like to go to a movie theater. Yeah. To sit in the dark with a bunch of strangers. And people are like, well, yeah, that's kind of uncomfortable. See, that's that's the kind of society we're going to turn into where people would find that idea terrifying and uncomfortable. Yeah. But it wasn't. No. 
I mean, I, I think I mentioned this uh, to Jenna. I was seven years old when Star Wars came out. Mm. I'm sitting in the front row of the theater with a bunch of kids who also go to the same uh, first grade school that I go to. And we're staring up there like this. And we're watching those TIE fighters. I mean, the X-Wings fly over the Death Star. Yeah. It was amazing. It's something I'll never forget. When that eye popped out. And, but mainly because I was there with a bunch of people who were all ooing and on because we'd never seen a, 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 a science fiction film like it. Yeah. That's going to be lost. Like a horror movie. Like, I, I mm. will sit around and watch a horror movie around here and I could just fall asleep. But if you're at the theater and you're with a lot of people and it's actually like, you, you saw you, feel it. You saw Get Out in theaters, right? I haven't even seen okay. Get Out because uh, I am a sham. <laughs> um, uh, did you see, uh, did you see um, uh, Insidious? Yes. When, 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 at the dinner table. Mm. Yeah. The thing yeah. behind the mom. Yeah. Everybody. Oh, <gasps> yeah, but you can't get that sitting on the couch. Like, you'll hear me scream like a little girl, but you don't feel everyone else around you. <laughs> or when that kid jumps out of the wardrobe. Yeah. Oh, fuck or, me. When it's little, like, really quiet and, like... Because like, everybody is focused. Yeah. The, the whole the whole area is completely quiet. You're, it, it's dedicated to that. But when you're home, say the microwave goes off. <laughs> or maybe this, maybe, <laughs> this goes, maybe this goes back to the convention thing. I have paid money to be here. I have paid money to be entertained. Yeah. We all have... We're here. Mm-hmm. Show it to us. Exactly. Whereas, uh, I, I can start and stop. Or that worst thing that when you're sitting watching something with somebody and you know where the good parts are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why'd you pause it? Never mind. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, so what is what, is, what will be lost is, is, is kind of sad. The, the, the wonderful group experience. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like we were just talking about Clue. Yeah. I saw, I, I saw that in theaters. And it was hilarious. But when I'm watching it at home, I think something's funny. I don't laugh out loud when I'm by myself yeah. a lot of the times. Uh, it's like stand-up comedy. I like stand-up comedy specials, but seeing it with other people, laughing when they laugh. Yeah. And, you Because know, that can make a show that's like, I've, I love comedy as well. And you could be in an audience, and the guy could not even be like hitting on all cylinders. But like if the people around you are laughing, there's something about you like, yeah, all right, I'll give him that one. That was okay. But if it was just me and him, I'd be like, boo. <laughs> Like a like a like um in like on an episode of Scrubs, it, it's the delivery. But if I I hear it and I think oh that's kind of funny. But if I hear it with somebody else, I laugh. They're like uh um because Zach Braff and uh, um uh, uh Donald Faison are doing a podcast where they rewatch the show and they have yeah. they have cast members on as as guests. It's funny. Anyway, he's like, yeah, what was that line from that from that episode, Zach? What was the line from this episode that that killed me? Oh, it's like uh, I said, a dog treat me, and it's the way he says it. Yeah, a dog treat me. Because like, it, and I remember the video. Oh, and it just, it's, yeah, you, yeah. So the the shared experience. I mean, you know, you are lucky enough to have uh, found someone who shares a lot of your interests and tastes. So you have your audience. You know, when you want, uh, some sometimes when the, when the hustle is not too strong, yeah. where you can sit and you can in, enjoy something together. Yeah. Like, let's take that. I saw the I saw the photos. It's great. Let's take that wonderful trip to New York. Yeah. Would it have been as wonderful if you went by yourself? Absolutely not. Absolutely Would you have not. done as many things? I would have never went to New York if it wasn't for Jenna. You know, that's been one of my goals my entire life was to make it to the city that I've always seen on TV and always thought about and dreamed about. And when I went there, it was magical. And because she helped make it magical. Mm-hmm. You know, and Much like the audiences do. And like now, like, I can't even really go to New York without being scared that the world's, you know... <laughs> Well, yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're right. I mean, the 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 audience that you share it with is what's important. I stopped running games at Dragon Con for about four years because uh, my next door neighbor, uh, who's in who's one of my players, who's a good friend who I've known since he was twelve, uh, he's into costuming, mm-hmm. and so is his wife. 
So they were started going to Dragon Con for cosplay stuff. I'd hang out with them. We'd walk around and look at stuff. We'd have meals together. We had a great time. Uh, they had a kid. And so he was not able to go. Yeah. Uh, I skipped a year. Uh, I had one year, only went two days because mm-hmm. there was nobody to hang out with. Yeah. And that's when I started gaming again. I was like, well, I'll, I'll have plenty of people to hang out with and I'll have plenty of stuff to see and do, you know. But it does also, not having anybody that I know to go with, I don't do the stuff that I used to do. I don't go to the parties. I don't, I don't uh, drink all night. This last year at Dragon Con, I was sober all five days of it. Because I was like, well, you know, I've got these games to run, and I'd finish running the games. I'd make a tour of all the things. I might sit in on a panel or two. I'd go to the vendor hall, and I was normally back at my room at my at my room by like ten, eleven. Yeah. Whereas the con, most people say the con doesn't even start till ten or eleven because they're there with their group. Like uh, one of my friends, who's also a player, all his college friends live up in Atlanta. So when he goes up there, he doesn't do anything except wander around the convention with those friends. There might be a panel or two that he catches, but he, that's not what he's there for. Yeah. He's there to reconnect with these people that he knows. Oh, he's also there because he got a great deal and he got grandfathered in on a, a, a Hyatt, uh, one of the con hotels, as a, uh, as a regular reservation. So he automatically doesn't have to worry about finding a, a con oh, uh, hotel. Nice. Yeah, this year when they canceled the con... They automatically, uh, you know, sent him his, uh, his 2021 reservation. Like, wow. don't worry about it. And they refunded the, the 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 2020. You know, you have to pay for one 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 night in advance. They refunded that to everybody. And they're like, now that the con's been canceled, and he was like, I wonder why they held off. I said they have to. I was like, that's how things work with venues. If they don't uh, cancel the con, uh, then the hotel is liable. No, sorry. If the if the if the if the city doesn't make them cancel the con then the convention is liable for um, the venues and the expenses. So that's what a lot of comedians are saying. People got mad that the comedians weren't canceling their shows. They're like, listen, I can't. I've booked that venue. If I cancel, I have to pay for that venue for the whole, you know, for the, all the, the three nights I was going to run it. Yeah. If the venue cancels, then we're all fine. Yeah. You know, I'm not liable. They're not liable. No, but you get you guys get your tickets refunded and we're fine. Yeah. So, yeah, um, we're uh, so uh, I think somewhere in this pile of garbage we can find your outro. Which was... <laughs> actually, well, the last thing I like to do actually before I do any sort of outro, um, we'll see if we can you know make it quick because we've been going for an hour and forty minutes. But um, but I like to ask a question that kind of yours has a little bit to do with what we've been talking about for a while. But I like to ask a question to to kind of throw things off, and um, <laughs> so I just ask you a question. You have no idea what's coming. Uh, so you ready? you ready? Sure. Sure. Oh, I love the enthusiasm, man. Ready to get it. Uh, my question to you is just is simple. If you could live in any fictional universe ever created, which one would you choose and why? Well, that depends on what uh, um, influence I'd have over my position in that. Because the simplest answer would still be this one, but in the future that is uh, the Star Trek future. Mm. You know, uh, where you could find a place, uh, you know, to serve on a ship going across the, the galaxy, exploring and meeting strange races and new civilizations boldly going where no one has gone before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's a dream. I mean, I understand completely why Seth MacFarlane put all his own money in producing that show, the Orville on, on Fox, who didn't, who didn't grow up dreaming of being a captain on the bridge of a starship. Yeah. And I, 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 I envy him for getting to live out that, uh, that dream. I mean, that, that looks like so much fun yeah. to get to, you know, um, and also I thought it was funny that the robot crew member was just doing a Brent Spiner impression for the entire <laughs> run of the show. But, uh, um, so yeah, on the you know because I wouldn't want to live in the 1920s in a world of cosmic horror because mm. that's 
what happens if the because what happens if the heroes and I'm not one of them loses and the world gets destroyed? Yeah. And there are a couple of games that take place in a setting like that of what happened whenever things failed. One of my favorite fantasy settings was called Midnight, and it was basically what happened if they failed to destroy the ring. Oh wow! It's like fifty years later. Yeah. You know, uh, all the big important people are dead, and you guys are trying to you know survive, maybe form a resistance. Yeah. But uh, um, so yes. Uh, my answer for that would be the, the future the future that is Star Trek. No money, yeah. uh, no religious conflicts, all of humanity working together to, to, to build a brighter, all of the Federation planets working together to build a brighter tomorrow. You know, the Klingons are no longer our enemies. You know, at that, whatever, I guess you'd have to pick what point in that universe. Yeah. But, uh, uh, of course, most people are going to think TNG. And that's, I mean, showing that there's places that you don't have to be a military guy. You can be like a guy running a shop on the, uh, you know, on DS9. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, and because it's got so much depth and richness to it. I mean, there's that new animated series that just started up, Below Decks, about the guys who aren't that important, who, like, you know, are just all a bunch of ensigns. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a place where, you know, cause like, let's say you, let's say you're in a Star Wars universe. What if, what happens if you're just some, you know, random human on a black, a backwater planet? You know yeah. I mean? That's not that exciting. And of course the thing I've, I've always kind of not liked about Star Wars is the stagnation of its technology. Yeah. It's like nothing ever gets better. Yeah. Nothing, it's, it we, just breaks we, down over time. Yeah. We've always had this kind of technology. We've always had droids. We've always had, you know, whereas, you know, there's a history to the Star Trek setting. It's like, here's when we develop space travel. Here's why. Hey, look, this is what happened. We made first contact with the Vulcans. It's all this stuff. Here's the first ship we sent out there, Star Trek Enterprise. It's like, you know, you, you I don't know uh, what point in it I'd like to be because they all seem really fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. But that that setting is one that is, uh, you know, has always been uh, one that I find so rich. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that was one of the few gags that I, on Big Bang Theory that I actually liked was the uh, their fascination with the... Uh, with Star with Star Trek, even to the point when they got to meet Will Wheaton and they incorporated him into the cast of the show. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so that that would be my answer. Uh, what's yours? Oh, mine. I, you know, I haven't really given much thought. You know, I you know I, I didn't give it much thought either. I, I just spun I don't it out. think mine would, mine would be similar to yours, but mine would not be more the Star Trek universe. I would just want to be in the future to see where we go. Right, right. You know, um, like all that stuff is cool. I always think, like, yes, yeah, sign me up. I want all this implant, whatever you got to do. Let's go. If it like, if it gets us closer to where I think we should be by now, that's what I want to be. So my future is that fictional future they promised me with jetpacks, and you know, I like the retro aesthetic of like Fallout. The, you know, of Fallout. You know, I would, I love the the way all of that stuff looks, and I like the the. I don't know how you aesthetic do. yeah i love well i love the way it looks like i like the clean cleanliness of star trek and stuff like that but i don't know there's something about like this looks like something that we would probably have so you're really looking forward to cyberpunk 2077 oh absolutely yeah i'll be honest with you that's also a future i could be interested in the downside are all the dystopian aspects yeah the corporations run everything everybody's a wage slave or a criminal yeah you know it that that's the parts of that that i don't like because i don't know if i'd have the strength to you know to be a runner or to be a, a guy taking shady jobs or to be johnny mnemonic yeah i'd be i'd be more worried that i would you know be one of those uh, living in a uh, in a micro hotel working a crappy job at the at the stuffer shack you know <laughs> and you know waiting in or even worse that it would be even less beautiful than i think and it would be more like uh, um uh, what is that film by mike judge with the with the with the dystopian future where everybody's morons oh 
the one that everybody thinks that we're kind of moving towards. <laughs> uh, I can't think it's called. It's got the the cover is an or, or is an apple, but it's a, or an apple is the Earth, but it's an orange, right? I think so. It stars Owen Wilson. I, I mean, not, not it stars Luke Wilson. Someone's gonna kill us. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, one where that's that's the other worry where you basically sit by a machine watching butts farting on a screen and feed yourself from a selection of tubes that hang yeah. out of the ceiling. Yeah. And everybody's dumb. It's idiocracy. That's it. Ah, idiocracy. <laughs> now no one has to kill me. <laughs> um, but you did mention an outro, and we have to do an outro because it's been uh, this has been a good one though. Honestly, I think we'll like, break it, it into two parts. Exactly. Well, yeah, I, I, man, I would have you every single day to talk about anything. I've always thought you were super fascinating. Well, then maybe we should become bitter and jaded. Maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> I call being bitter. Um, but if you think that you could possibly be as interesting as my good friend Randy, please reach out. Um, I, I'm trying to do this, uh, weekly and I, I've found that every time that I do one of these interviews, I learn more. I've, I've known Randy for 12 years and I feel like just in this time that we spent together today, I've learned so much more about what is, what makes him important to not just as a person, but important to me and important to society as a whole. And people don't really think about like the guy next to you, how important they are to the people around them. But Randy's one of those people that is super important to me and i want to show people that you know and if if you have something going on if you have a different interest or you have a uh different just view on life please hit me up and we can just have a conversation to highlight you because i believe that everyone is important and i uh i just want to highlight that so um please um visit my website it's www bitterandjadedpodcast.com or you can email me directly it goes directly to my phone at the at bitterandjadedpodcast at gmail.com and we can set something up we can do it over the phone we can do it over Skype whatever is more comfortable to you because I, I kind of want to take a little page out of Randy's book and be comfortable do you have do you have an Instagram or anything like that uh, I do it is a bitter and jaded podcast on Facebook we have a very small following group it's about 70 people Woo-hoo. That's not very small, <laughs> you know. But a lot of people, uh, I have a lot of very kind people in my life, and I believe that they are like, you know what, Josh is cool. Click, we'll follow. <laughs> well, that is that is the one thing that uh, you say bitter and jaded, but uh, you always present yourself as uh, uh, the whatever man. That's what I call you because that is that's your that's your favorite phrase. Sometimes accompanied with an eye roll, but generally just said, like you know, you're letting it roll off your back. Yeah, whatever, man. Whatever, you know. If somebody's got a complaint, whatever, man. I mean, you, that's what that's your shit to deal with. I mean, excuse me, that's your stuff to deal with you're if fine. you've got a problem. So that's what I I, I do agree that uh, you know, uh, uh, bitter and jaded is what we um, are all becoming. But uh, uh, how you present generally is. Uh, 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 open and, and kind and also not letting people try to change uh you know how you feel uh to bring you down to whatever level they want to bring you down to whatever man that's that's, that's, that's that that is that is that is your 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 catchphrase for when things get sticky when yeah. things get complicated when things get dumb you're like whatever man yeah and i i love watching sometimes the way that some people have to deal with that because it's almost like you know you've you've thrown your you've thrown your super highly trained fastball of anger and destruction, but you've thrown it at a rubber sheet. <laughs> Whatever, man. It's whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thanks, Randy. You've yeah, yeah. been absolutely fantastic, and um, I I don't really know how to end the podcast, so um, I'm just gonna say goodbye, everyone, and thanks, bud. Count me into the intro. Five, six, seven. No, just... one, two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs>